Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am Jameis Mooney. I'm an editor for Bodyslam.net. And we are here today to discuss everything regarding the upcoming Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Pardon me. Premium live event. This Saturday. And we will discuss the match card. We will preview the match card, give our predictions, uh, the build-up to this sh- the program. And we will also go through Royal Rumble history and some of our favorite memories. I am joined by two of our most sensational contributors, Kylie Fuller, at Fuller underscore Kylie on Twitter, and Kyle Sparks, Kyle K. Sparks on Twitter. Um, How are you guys today? I'm great. I'm so excited. Having a blast. I'm glad to do this. Uh, Looking forward to talking Rumble. So, Kyle was saying something before the program went live regarding St. Louis um, and Rumble history. For those who don't know, house shows used to be very regional in the sense of Boston Garden would have a show one month and the very next month it would build on each other. Same as Philly Spectrum, Maple Leaf Gardens, Mass Square Garden, all of those old venues. One of those um, cities back in the day was St. Louis. Um, Kyle, take it away from here. Sure. Uh, it was uh, October of 1987, and uh, they were running St. Louis uh, with a, an advertised main event of a Royal Rumble match. This was something that Pat Patterson had uh, sort of come up with. Vince really didn't like it at, at the time, but uh, he would soon be proven wrong on that. Uh, so they ran a 12-man Royal Rumble match and were advertising the uh, the winner to get a shot at Hulk Hogan in the title at the next St. Louis house show the following month. Uh, however, uh, the ring announcer kind of screwed the pooch and uh, announced that the main event for their next show would be Hulk Hogan versus the one-man gang. Sure enough, we're getting towards the end of the Rumble match, and Gang is it's looking like Gang is going to win. The crowd turns on the match with a vengeance because they telegraphed the ending, and uh, it was widely considered kind of a flop. <laughs> so we almost, from the first Royal Rumble in St. Louis in 1987 to what we've got today, almost didn't happen because they were very unhappy with how that first one went. But but because they needed something to fill time at the uh, at the show in Hamilton, Ontario, the next the following January, here we are. And of course, the Hamilton, Ontario show was a special for I want to say NBC, USA Network, USA Network, a subsidiary of NBC. It was NBC who was requesting it. Um, so on the USA Network show in 1988, uh, Hamilton in Hamilton, Ontario. One Man Gang was the second to last. He was the runner-up, essentially, because a lot of times these house shows will determine their direction on television. And if something doesn't work, they will switch it up. And because the One Man Gang didn't do uh, go over well in St. Louis, they went ahead and gave it to Jim Duggan. That's right. Um, of course... The Rumble didn't become the Rumble as we know it until around 93 because that was the first year that a title shot was on the line. Uh, when Yokozuna eliminated Randy Savage to win the Rumble, 
because even as recent as 90 and 91, the champion was winning the Rumble with Hogan. Um, and then the title was up for grabs with Nature Boy Ric Flair in 1992, um, which we'll go over later because that is one of the most iconic Royal Rumble matches, specifically for what the story can do as a character study. Ky- Kylie, what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I got to be honest with you guys. I was never a Royal Rumble fan. I hate Battle Royals. I think they're cheesy and I just don't enjoy them. But there are two Royal Rumbles that I like. Oh, three Royal Rumbles that I like. I like 2006 because Rey Mysterio. I like 2008 because John Cena. And then I like Asuka's win because I'm Asuka's number one fan. But other than that, I think... uh, We go fight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can find it out. We can duke it out. I, I don't care. But I think I the Royal Rumble, when done right, can be a lot of fun. But the issue is, I think it's seldom done right. I agree. Um, I was talking to Kyle last night in preparation for this event. And I gave him a list of just about maybe eight Rumbles I thought were really well done. And those are really the only eight because it's so difficult to tell a great story in a battle royal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain rumbles that have told a story really well. And um, we can go over however many we want that all three that one of the three of us thought told a great story. Um, the first one for me was 92. Because while I don't think it's the best rumble ever, and I know that's kind of a controversial take, um, it does an excellent job doing a character study for Ric Flair. Um, and it was the first Rumble to really have somebody go the distance. I know Martel had a lot of time in earlier Rumbles, but he never came close to winning. Um, Flair was the first to stay in for a substantial period of time. Can't c- coming in at number three, which of course, according to Bobby Heenan, is not fair to Flair. It was um, not. <laughs> Oh, certainly not. Ric Flair ended up weaseling his way into the World Championship that night. It's one of two times, the other being Triple H in 2016. I think I'm yeah. 16, yes. 2016, yeah. which was Triple H's second win. Um, that the World Championship was on the line in the contest. What were your thoughts? I'm going to start with you, Kyle, because obviously you're wearing a Ric Flair shirt. Yep. You grew up in the early 90s. This was kind <laughs> of that transitional period roster-wise for the company. So you had all of the old legends of the 80s and the up-and-coming superstars of the of the new generation era. And this was probably the only time that that roster really clashed. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. Um, this was this was um, an interesting uh, piece just because it was uh, the, the title was vacated as a result of a lot of nonsense with Hogan and the Undertaker coming in out Texas. of Survivor Series '91 and this Tuesday in Texas. So they decided to put the Rumble up the title up in the Rumble uh, while giving Hogan and Undertaker. Uh, preferential draw, the way Monsoon said it, was that they would draw between, I believe their numbers would be guaranteed to be between 20 and 30. At that point, that was still a a big deal. Um, When Flair came out at three, yes, that was uh, 
Gorilla Monsoon gleefully pointing out to Bobby Heenan that uh, no one and no one at that point had ever drawn one through five and been there at the end. Also encouraging Heenan to sit down before he has a heart attack. Uh, and uh, yeah, this was a this was a really interesting mix of of talent because you had guys like uh, while Flair was new to the WWF at the time, it was uh, only there was, for like a year. He was. He was gone by early January of 1993. Um, you had Flair. You had Kerry Von Erich during his WWF run. Uh, I didn't appreciate that at the time, but as I got older, I sort of realized the the, the gravity of yeah. Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich in a Royal Rumble against each other. That was kind of a big deal because they'd main evented all throughout Texas in the early to mid-80s. Randy Savage uh, is gone within the next year. Yep. Um, Ted DiBiase. Uh, you had, you, then you had, two, you had right? older guys. You had you had Nikolai Volkov was in that match. You had the Iron Sheik in that match as under the Colonel Mustafa gimmick. You Greg had uh, ha Haku, Greg Valentine, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the Warlord, uh, the Barbarian, a lot of the older generation guys. Uh, and then you sort of uh, tie that with you had Shawn Michaels. Uh, you had the British Bulldog. You had Sid. You had, you know. Bulldog had been around for a hot second, but uh, you, know, you you saw, you definitely saw that. them. Yeah, Very, yeah, that was sort of early in Bulldog's singles push at that point. But uh, no, and, and it was it was it was great just for that whole uh, idea of uh, somebody going the distance. Uh, I feel like you couldn't have done it in such a way that you put the belt back on Hogan or Taker. Because that would have rendered the whole thing pointless. Yeah. So well, who so who do you go to? You know, the guy who's been walking around proclaiming himself the real world's champion. Obviously. Yeah. But there are two things about this match that stick out to me. And the way Ric Flair performed in that match. One of them is I love whoever what whichever agent, I don't know if it was Tony Garrido. It was probably Pat Patterson thinking about it since the Rumble was always his baby. Um, I'm trying to think of other agents at the time. Jack Lanza, Tony Garrido. It was one of those guys. Whoever put this match together did a great job in keeping it logistical in the sense of, oh, Flair's getting breaks because the rest of the ring cleared each other out. I think that's great. My one issue with this match is one of my least favorite tropes is guys just laying around in the rumble waiting for their next spot. That was really the first time that happened, and it was Ric Flair. And mm -hmm. from then on, it's been a consistent thing in every single rumble. That's pretty much mm -hmm. my biggest issue with this match. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I also think, maybe this is a controversial take, I think there's when it comes to battle royals, the more people you have, the more laying about there is because it's just impossible to have everyone involved Absolutely. at the same time. But uh, my hot take about this Royal Rumble, and I guess my hot take about the early 90s in general, is that this focus on making single stars during the transition period, that's what killed tag team wrestling. And so when viewed in a vacuum, I think this match is really good. And the storytelling within the match, yeah, really good. I, think it, I don't think WWF, WWE has topped it really since. But my issue is the focus on singles really started here. And it by like I would say 1996, 1997, tag team wrestling was in the in the ditch. 
because um, I love tag team wrestling. Yeah. So now it's like tainted for me. <laughs> In the eighties, you had the hearts, the Rougeos, the Bulldogs, yep. uh, power and glory, just a whole nucleus of incredible tag teams, the rockers. There's a great opening match. Um, Kyle and I kind of went over this last yeah. night between Owen and Anvil and Orient, which is one of the last great tag matches of that era. And that and the year before that, when the Orients went up against the Rockers. Now, I love Pat Tanaka. Mm -hmm. Pat Tanaka is one of my favorite guys. I think he's one of the best bumpers I've ever seen. Um, the Orient Express didn't really get their due in the Federation. But those two matches, for me, are two of the top opening contests of Rumble history. Um, actually, the top three would probably all be tag matches because I think the 2000 Rumble opened with that tables match between Team Extreme and um, the Dudley Boys. Yes, it did. Which is a fantastic opener. Yeah. But yeah. Th th those are two matches I've wanted to hit on because of how really good they are. Also, in one of the earlier Rumbles, I want to say it's also 91? It might be 90. It might be 90. No, it's 90. So the Rumble where, um, with the six-man tag between, oh, no, it's 89. The Rumble between this with the six-man tag between the Rujos and Dino Bravo and, and against uh, the Hearts and Jim Duggan was a great opener. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I'm the biggest Bret Hart fan you'll ever meet. So, oh, I know. Of course, <laughs> of course I, think, I, I think that's great. But that match was really good. It was two out of three falls, too. It was Dino Bravo's best match in the Federation, but that's really not saying that much. That's, that's a real low bar to clear. <laughs> so, um, uh, any other big memories of the early Rumbles for you two? Oh, no, Kylie, go right ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think for me, uh, looking back at the earlier Rumbles, you can see stars gradually being made. And you, I don't want to say the older guys were putting them over in the Rumble because it's often not what happened. But yeah. I do think in that period, probably early 90s to mid 90s, I think that's when WWF was in its star making engine. I don't know what happened after that, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, we just stopped and the uh, i think in the last probably from 2008 to now the rumbles have just been not about making stars which doesn't make sense to me like in the, that's where it started sense. out as drew for one of them oh yeah and yeah. Uh, bianca yeah last year but other than that, went back into that for a little yes bit. and and i think maybe that has to do with sort of the popularity of wrestling history now and people talking about it online more often especially sort of younger people going back and watching the 80s and the early 90s, uh, stuff that happened when I wasn't alive. <laughs> but I Only really one hope... of us is alive. I know. I... Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> I really He's hope old. This year... Don't out him as old. He's not old. I'll I really out myself, man. We get more star building. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know, but I think it should because that's sort of the energy and sort of this like uniqueness of the early 90s well it occurred to me as you talked about star building that um even back at the first usa rumble back in 88 uh they had bret hart in at number two and going iron man just for that 
right. uh, that 20-man rumble. Like, you could mm -hmm. see back in 88 that, like, hey, we think we've got something in this Bret Hart kid. You know, and he had a great showing there, too. And, you know. Yeah. Um, Best worker in wrestling history. <laughs> and uh, it, it occurred to me as you talked about uh, splitting up tag teams going into that 92 rumble that, uh, yeah, you mentioned the Rockers match in 91 against the Orient Express. The Rockers were having a sneaky, really, really good year in 1991. Like, they yeah. were putting out bangers on the regular. And then he jumped through the window. And then, we and that, and that, and then that coward Marty Jannetty tried to run away through the barbershop window. I Will just, just don't understand it. Tag, I, can I just say, tag team wrestling is a draw. It was always a draw. And the only reason it's not a draw now is because of the 90s. That's my rant. <laughs> and of course, everybody praises the 90s for being this great tag team generation. When, mm -hmm. as much as I love all six competitors and all three teams, the TLC six are kind of overrated in the sense of they weren't great tag teams. They had really yeah. fun ladder matches, really fun TLC matches. Um, Hardy's and Edge and Christian had a really fun steel cage match. But there's a reason they were all gimmick matches. Because yeah. they weren't truly great units. They weren't the busters. They weren't the last great, great tag team before recently was probably Davey and Owen. Yeah, I agree. But I also I think it's important to when we talk about tag teams, especially Edge and Kristen and the Christian and the Hardys and the Dudleys, they were gimmick matches, but I think we need to think if these guys were in normal tag matches. I think they would have showed out. I think they would have been incredible. I agree. But I they think had it's to, through the era. Yeah, they had to do these TLC matches, these cage matches, these tables matches, because that's the only way they would get on the card. And it's yeah. the only way they would get the attention that they deserved because of how dead tag team wrestling was by then because of the 90s. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll, I'll play my old man yells at card uh, at cloud card again here and go, for a long time, one of the loudest pops I ever heard was road warriors road warriors was up there clash one in 1987 when luger and Wyndham beat arn anderson and tully blanchard for the nwa tag titles at that clash in greensboro that place went ballistic and it was like a eight nine minute match it was just a solid full-out sprint for 10 minutes and the crowd went bonkers another big pop speaking of was um when uh Barry Windham turned on Lex Luger to cost him the championships. Right. But um we should probably move on. Yeah. <laughs> um is there any rumble between ninety two and ninety nine y'all kinda wanna hit on? Ninety five is an interesting <sighs> one to me just because of That's what the year. Sean did the uh, skin the cat and knocked out Davey. Yep, that was the year where Sean went coast to coast. Um, but it was also a year where they decided to experiment with 60-second intervals. And if you thought it was difficult to tell a story and let everything breathe in the rumble as it is now, imagine you've got a minute in between every guy. You were in and out of the whole thing in less than 45 minutes. Yeah, I, so... Funny, funny thing about this rumble is I have the commemorative chair, like because the show was in Tampa. 
I, I have the commemorative chair sitting in my garage. It's a really nice. cool piece of memorabilia that I do have. Um, that was a really weird show. The the one two three kid Bob Holly versus Bam Bam and Tatanka is the most random but fun tag match you'll come across. Um, Taker versus IRS was a really weird weird match, but Brett Nash was probably Nash's second best match, only behind their Survivor Series uh, Survivor Series match that same year. Could that's it's entirely possible. I rem, I remember it being a little bit less, uh, significantly less than their uh, their Survivor Series match. But yeah, even still, um, the uh, I, I guess one two three kid and Bob against uh, Tatanka and Bam Bam does get credit for kicking off the uh, Lawrence Taylor angle that would eventually oh, main yeah, event WrestleMania eleven. Because, um, which for a long time Lawrence Taylor probably had the title of best celebrity wrestling match. Because actually, he, oh, sorry, continue. He, he because he was halfway decent in that. Um, anything y'all want to add? Because I, I don't really have anything I do want to add. Um, 97 is probably something we should hit on for the sole purpose of I see a lot of different circumstances. One, everybody was leaving for WCW, this one, they just massively cut everybody. But there's a lot of similarities in the entrance for 97 and this year. Because if you go to 97's Rumble card, you will see guys like um, Angel Garza's uncle was on that show. They made a deal with AAA to bring in uh, different guys for the Rumble, like Cybernetico and Latin Lover. So they didn't have guys to fill the card. So they brought in guys from other promotions and we're seeing something similar this year when they didn't have enough women to fill the rumble. So they're bringing back Mickey James. Um, there's rumors that there's a men's forbidden door entrance, but I don't know how fluid I expect that to actually be. But I think that's an interesting year to draw a comparison to because of how thin the roster was and how they had to fill the rumble. And we're seeing something similar for the very first time sense well it it was definitely the star making performance for steve austin it's true so it definitely had that but what was you gonna add kylie i was just gonna say i think wwe wwf and basically any promotion is at its best when they have these big matches that people look forward to all year and they have surprises i agree so i think that's about here and I think it's the best thing about them as well. Um, one thing I want to... So the next rumble I want to hit on is 2000. Mainly because there are three eliminations that I think are the nasty... Three of the nastiest things I've ever seen in rumble history. One of them isn't even an elimination. Kyle knows where I'm going with this. Oh, one yeah. is Paul London in 2005 when Gene Snitsky took his head off. And he just landed face first right on the floor. Another is Cena. I want to say 2004. Oh, when he torqued his knee on the... Yeah, that yeah. still looks brutal to this day. And then there's 2000, 
Kai and Ty was upset they weren't in the match. So they <laughs> ran into the ring. And I forget who throws Taka over, but Taka misses the rope when he was supposed to grab the rope. And he flips and lands face first. And there's blood everywhere. I totally forgot that happened until just the second. <laughs> I totally forgot Kai and Ty existed until right this second. Indeed. Wow. <laughs> so, oh gosh, that's an important I, rumble. That, I can't rumble remember was. who. You can't remember what. I can't remember who did, who threw him either. But yeah, he got launched. I think it was, um, and it just. Rikishi, probably? Yeah, him or Test. Somebody like that. Yeah. Um, so that's an important rumble. It was in the garden. The Probably the best match in rumble history. We kind of went over the opener. Actually, no, the opener was Taz. Not the Hardys and Dudleys. That was Taz's debut. When he choked out. Kurt Angle for Kurt Angle's first loss. One of my favorite debuts in wrestling history. Uh, that's right. That was the open. And the garden went bananas for him. And Banana then in honor nothing. of Pat Patterson. Yeah. The Angle, of course, ran the I didn't lose because it was an illegal choke. Heel excuse. Very fun stuff. The... The ma- the best match in Rumble history is probably that Triple H Cactus Jack match. Street fight, absolutely uh, ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely course, ridiculous street fight. That's one thing, and I've discussed this with Mick before because him and I are good friends. Um, one thing Mick does really well with everybody is giving is if is if they need to be solidified. As a tough guy, he is the best guy at that. He did it for Randy Orton at Backlash. He did it for Edge at Mania in Chicago. Uh, that's kind of Triple H's tough guy coming out and party here. In the match, he gets suplexed on a pallet, one of those wooden pallets that you use in warehouses, mm-hmm. and it pretty much just goes straight into his leg. Which is one of the nastiest spots of his career. He's done some pretty nasty stuff, but that might be the worst, even though it didn't look like it. I still don't know how he was walking on that, much less performing at a high level. Um, the match is outstanding. The build to the match just proves how good both of those guys were, because the match where Mankind reveals he's not in the the promo where on SmackDown where Mankind reveals he's not in the match. And he reveals it's Cactus Jack. For those who hadn't seen Cactus Jack, just from the way those two sold it, knew he was the baddest guy in wrestling. And I think it was just outstanding storytelling all around. Um, the Rock won the Rumble that year, but it was held up because his feet hit before the big show. That's a really weird Rumble match. Um, that's the Rumble match with... Um, I want to say Bob Backlund came out during that weird Bob Backlund for president time. Uh, Really good stuff. I did want to hit on that. 
Um, of course, the year before was the Rock's Tough Guy coming out party, also with Mick Foley. Ugh. Ugh. Like, I, I can't rewatch that match to this day. I used to be able to now that I'm now that I know Mick as well as I do, and I know what that match took out of him. It, I, I can't stomach it either. Um, Kylie, you remember, Kylie, you have any memories of either, either of these? Do I have any memories of them? Well, or, or re, or rewatching them after the fact. Yeah, I rewatched them after the fact. (laughs) I didn't didn't personally watch them as they aired, no. (laughs) I, I feel, I feel like that was implied, but okay. We're getting to where we were our generation soon. Yeah, we're getting uh, to the point where we're getting to the point where I was your age when these things aired. What did I say in the work chat the other day when you referenced uh, bowling for soup? Oh yeah, YouTube is to you. Uh, you you t- um no um what was it? Bowling for soup is for you. What you two and Blondie were for the mob in 1985. Because I name dropped them and they because they had a single that came out recently called "Getting Old Sucks," but everybody's doing it. That's like, that's they also have You're not old, though. <laughs> you can't claim old status yet. I know. I I I, I kid. I kid. Um, but um, getting back to the Rumble, um, yeah, 2000 was such a bonkers year just because of uh, uh, the Taz debut, the tables match. Um, which. Maybe you know. Was 2000 the one with the Intercontinental title triple threat? It was yes. Like yes. Holly, China, Jericho and China. With Jericho oh, and China. The yeah. first time I saw that match, I, I was a big China fan because I love women's wrestling. First time China won the Intercontinental title, loved it. And I hated Chris Jericho for it. And then Hardcore Holly's there. I loved Hardcore Holly. That match was such an emotional investment for me. And no one talks about it. So we're going to talk about it. I don't know if you've read his book. Chris Jericho hated that story. Why? Um, he, I don't think he does now, but at the time he was, I came in as the biggest deal in the world and now I'm doing a story where I'm taking on, threatening to take off this woman's fingers. Yeah. The build got weird. Very weird. (laughs) Even if the match kind of delivered, the build was, I don't think the build did anybody any favors. Especially that SmackDown segment where they both won. I, that wasn't a problem for me thing. as much. Yeah, yeah, the double pin thing. It was for me that they made them dual champion. Like a draw goes to the champion. That was my issue with that. Yeah, that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. I just don't, didn't think it made sense. I mean, I think the build was a little weird. Like them... They were making sure that the other people won the other person won their matches so yeah. that they could have this match. And then it ended up a triple threat with Hardcore Holly anyway. That was weird. But in a bubble, this match, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, Hardcore Holly has some fun rumble matches. Um, oh, Hardcore Holly has fun everything. <laughs> that's a good point. Best dropkick ever, best knife edge ever. He's um, so underrated. And our Maybe Kenny I'll wear a Hardcore Holly shirt next time. We have a Kenny King interview coming out soon. And I asked him. About tough enough, and I'm kind of, I probably shouldn't say this before it airs, but we went over specifically Hardcore Holly's chops, and he's, to him, it's the worst chop he's ever taken. 
They look brutal. And they're loud. Which year was the year he just took liberties on Daniel Pewter in the Rumble? Oh, oh God. I want to say that was... 2003. I want to say it was I like... Oh four was somewhere the between year o- went for the title against Brock. Oh, well then I guess it is oh three. Yeah. Oh three. Oh three sounds right. Where they had Eddie and and Benoit start. Yeah. And then they brought out um, and then and then Pewter came out and then Holly came out and they wound up just like four on one, five on one with Pewter and beat the daylights out of him and tossed him, just to uh, send a message see. to him. Um, I've, I just watched O3 Rumble recently. I sh- should know if it's O3 or not, but I don't. The most fun part of the O3 Rumble is when Maven tries to eliminate The Undertaker again, the same exact way, and then The Undertaker just beats the trash <laughs> out of him. Um, the Daniel oh. Pewter match was, pro- was 2005. Oh, it was that much later. Okay, That was later than I would have thought. Um, to be fair, actually, no, that makes sense. Ago. That was the season with the Miz, and he didn't. Oh really yeah, come to the roster until '06. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but what were you saying, Kylie? Yeah. Oh, I was just saying. To be fair, it was 17 years ago. So anything True. we get wrong, it's because it was a long time ago. Don't come for us, okay? <laughs> I was January of 2005. I was three. I was seven. <laughs> I'm actually having to do the math now. Um, oh, wait, I was six. I turned seven that year. Yeah, I, I turned four that year, but I was three when the rumble happened. I was 22. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Is there a rumble y'all kind of want to hit on between 2000 and 2004 before I go all in on 2004? Um. No. I, yeah, nothing really springs to they mind. Didn't stand out, um, in my opinion. <clears throat> the 2001 one is fun. Like you get the honky tonk man cameo. Oh yeah, they're uh, fun. Uh, but two, like, and, and, you, and you also got the Drew Carey entrance because he was promoting that uh, improv pay per view or whatever he, special he was doing. Oh, I know what we wanted to hit on regarding this Rumble, the 2001 Rumble, because the Hardys were in the ring when Drew Carey got out there. Yes, that was where the Hardys went at it. And that was probably the second time behind Axe and Smash that tag partners really went at it, which show that which really shows that every man for himself and it establishes that anything can happen, it's every man for himself for this opportunity. Yeah. Which I think is always great. Yeah, I remember that being a thing. That was in the eighty nine rumble where yeah, it was uh Axe and Smash drew one and two and then just beat the daylights out of each other for a while until I forget who came out at three and that I might have even been Andre that year. I forget. Somebody that they were feuding with at the time came out at three and then they could turn on him and then, you know, go on about it. But it established right away that it's like even tag partners will start going at it for this because this is an I think it is Andre because they were feuding with him and Haku. But no, but other than that, in 2001, there were a couple others. Uh, they did that in 2000 with Too Cool and Rikishi. Yeah. And they dan- that was a fun rumble because they danced to it. They had the dance off, yeah. and then Rikishi turned and eliminated both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 2004 rumble, 
A very fun show. I agree. That was the show where Chavo and Eddie had a really fun match. Sean and Triple H had an excellent uh, last man standing. Sean kind of had a great slew of Rumble matches here in the sense of not in the Rumble. The next year, he worked with Edge in a really fun match that many don't remember much of. Mm-hmm. Although I prefer their Raw Street fight, I kind of wish that was the Rumble match. But their Rumble match is solid in 2005. Yeah. This was the show with Brock and Hardcore Holly, who only got who like five minutes, but it was a tr- car crash. Yeah, five less minutes, than 10 minutes. It needed to be. Um, Hardcore Holly was very over coming back after his neck injury. Um, As he should be. Hardcore Holly rules. I'm glad, yeah. glad we have another Hardcore Holly standing here. <laughs> also, I Would believe, if I remember right, he... Oh, sorry, Kyle. Go ahead. I was going to say, if I remember right, he's the one that ended CM Punk's undefeated streak upon his debut. Yes. In, in ECW. ECW. I believe Holly was the one that ended that streak. Um... Also on this show was a really, it only got three minutes, give or take, but Jamie Noble and Ray Mysterio did an excellent job telling a story within three minutes, which I think is more impressive than telling a story within 20 minutes. Jamie Noble, also underrated. Very underrated. James Gibson had my favorite Ring of Honor World Champion. Former Ring of Honor World Champion. Believe it or not. Um, his run with Nidia around this time was the best thing on WWE television, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> but in the Rumble match, the first two entrances were Chris Benoit and Randy Orton. It kind of, this is the first slew of Rumble matches I want to hit on for how it kind of telegraphs the future, which I really like because um, the, the, this started the Benoit Soul Champion story. And the story ended with Randy Orton breaking out. And mm-hmm. so it started and ended with the same two guys face to face. And I've always thought that was really cool. Um, this match did wonders for Benoit. I should probably, just because I love the match so much, mention the year before. He had the best non-gimmick match in Rumble history with Kurt Angle. I'm the biggest Kurt Angle fan in the world, so of course I've got to mention that. This match is a lot of fun. You had um, Mick Foley, I think he attacked Test backstage to enter the Rumble to eliminate, with the sole purpose of not making sure Randy Orton didn't win. It advanced a lot of really important storylines heading into WrestleMania season, uh, which was the first Rumble to really do that. Um, of course, Benoit would win, uh, last eliminating Big Show, Big Big Show Show. with the, with the the Big Show teeter totter, which best part about Benoit in that spot was the small detail of him hooking his foot underneath the bottom rope so that he wouldn't fall. Also, can I just say, this match is most notable for me because Benoit went an hour or maybe a little over an hour. A little and Randy, Randy Orton went over half an hour, and no one else even came close. They, everyone else was eliminated very quick. So I thought yes. that's gold standard. This was the match where my fa- one of my favorite spots in Rumble history 
was when Nunzio grabbed a chair and just sat outside the ring waiting for everybody else to eliminate the others. He finally gets in and immediately gets clobbered with the most brutal spear you will ever see. I'm not a Bill Goldberg fan, but that's my favorite spear of all time. I the the idea uh, I loved it setting up Benoit as such a great underdog story when you have when you leave him in Big Show and the idea being just a few minutes prior well five or six guys at once tried to eliminate him and couldn't do it yeah and now you ha- and now you have the story of okay five guys couldn't do it how is this one gonna do it. And you know to, to to tell that to get over his uh, ingenuity and and ring savvy. Um, the Jim Ross call is great. Although Jim Ross's best Benoit call was at Mania that year when he mentioned the eighteen year Odyssey. Um, all in all, it was a very well done Rumble that unfortunately will never get its due for the obvious elephant in the room. Great match, though. Excellent story told. It was one. It was really only the second or third rumble to tell a really good story within the context of the match. Um, which brings me to the next year, two thousand five. I love the two thousand five rumble, and I wanted to hit on this because if I remember correctly, and none of them had won a world championship yet. The final six were Batista, Cena, Edge, Orton, Mysterio, and somebody else. I think Van Dam. Those were the final six. Van Dam won the. Uh, all of them won the, cha- the um, championship within the next year and change. A year and a half, all six of them won their first world championship. And one thing I like about the Rumble is it kind of establishes who they're going to push next or who the future is. That was the first Rumble to really do that. Even though most years they have the whoever's in the championship match is runner-up. Like, that's happened a lot. Taker, Sean in 07. Big Show Rock in uh, 2000. They've run that trope a lot. Cena, Batista, um... The next year was Triple H and Rey Mysterio. Like they run, the, they run the trope of the last two being in the title match a lot. But that was the first year where the final six were weren't established as main event players, and this match went a long way to establishing all six of them. Well, that was also the year that that. Uh, that was also the year that Vin, that they came down to the double elimination with Cena and Batista, and Vince blows out both quads or both knees or whatever it was, trying to get into the ring to deal with it. And yeah, such an like, iconic moment. It pops me Vince, every time. Vince sitting, leaning up against the ropes, just pointing at everything. And Doesn't even flinch. No, just keep <laughs> going. Um, was this also the Rumble? I could be wrong. It could be another year. Where Sean eliminates Angle and the Angle yes. comes back and eliminates Sean. Love that. I thought that was the first yeah. time I saw that match for whatever reason. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, they always played really fast and loose with those types of elimination rules, whether that actually counts or not. It's always whatever serves the story best. That yeah. was one of the first years 
that they had a person in a championship match in the Rumble. Because earlier in the night, Angle worked a triple threat match with Big Show and Bradshaw. Oh, yeah, JBL. Yeah, yes. was champion. Um, the funny thing is that was the last match of Heidenreich before he went to the face turn with the animal. Oh, gosh. I did that just to dismay you, Kyle. It was a casket with the Undertaker. Hey, that program went off three months too long. <laughs> He he could he could have been an unfrozen Nazi discovered by Paul Heyman. <laughs> that's the most wild pitch in wrestling history. That's, that's almost a thing that happened, um, depending depending on who you believe. Kylie, you love the 2006 Rumble. You mentioned that. I want you to go all in on that if you okay. if you if you want to. I can. Okay. So the Royal Rumble 2006 is the first one I watched live. Okay. I was so excited. And this is when Rey Mysterio, he had been sort of popular, but he took off. He had, I think he, yeah, he entered second, went over an hour, won the whole thing, had a big celebration at the end. I loved it. But can I also say one of the best parts of this Rumble is that Rey Mysterio, not only won, he eliminated six people and who else eliminated six people? Triple H. So that's a big testament to Rey Mysterio's sort of status at this time. And I think he held the record for the longest time in the Rumble for a long time yes. until it was broken. By, was it Daniel Bryan that broke Daniel it? Daniel Bryan in the greatest Rumble, which we don't count as canon. So it's still Rey Mysterio. I counted. That was such a that, good performance. It depends don't on whether or not you want to count I that. don't just because it's Saudi Arabia. I mean, okay. I, I but Roderick that. Strong tore up Daniel Bryan's chest in that match. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, I, I would never put myself through that, but I got to give him props for letting people destroy him because he oh, does every time. <laughs> he's top five all time, uh, work-wise. I agree. Roderick has done that in some... every match he and Bryan have ever been in together, ever. Dating match at Ring of Honor days, you know. Um, so 2006. Right. What else do you uh, about favorite, 2006, Kylie? My favorite spot in this match, and I want to see if so Van Dam and Rey Mysterio team up, and they're like, and they didn't yeah. even reference the on commentary. I think it was Taz and Lawler, the previous tag team, because they were tag team champions. And I yeah. Cool. Um. And that weird phase of SmackDown having every champion be makeshift tag teams. But they do that 420 thing. And I, yeah. I always thought it was really cool that not only did Ray do the Eddie Omar homage, but he also called back the everything from his previous four years in the company, including the Rob Van Dam tag team. That got him to that point. My issue with this match and this Ray run in general, mm-hmm. as much as I love the story, is that oftentimes it felt like Eddie was more over than Ray in the context of the story. Um, yeah, because- I, I could, I could see that. I mean, he wasn't personally to me, but I can see. Just because Eddie's such a legend. I, yeah. I, okay, I, I can see that. I it agree. was hard for me to get invested. And this was 
right around the time I had only been watching for about six months. Of course, my sister was the biggest Rey Mysterio fan in the world, so I automatically did not like Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Just out of precedence. But in my opinion, this match, it was a big sort of cruiserweight showing. I you agree. had Ray, you important. had Carlito was in there. Who else was there? Chavo Guerrero was in there, but I think he got eliminated very soon. Psychosis was in there. If anybody remembers who Psychosis is. I do. <laughs> Super Crazy was there, as you said, RVD. Um, and so the, the, the cruiserweights coming out of WCW, I was very excited for them to be in WWF, WWE. Uh, and this match really got me excited because I've always been a cruiserweight fan that yeah. there was going to be something of the cruiserweights in WWE. Uh, Ray, no doubt a legend. RVD, no doubt a legend. But a lot of these guys who were super talented, like Psychosis, like Super Crazy, like Carlito, I think they didn't get a fair shake. But this match made me feel like they would. And so that's I think that's why I like it so much. So speaking of the Mexicals, uh-huh. I, was, I was watching this match. Uh, this show a couple weeks ago when Trent, one of our other writers, and two of our other friends uh, stopped by my house. And one of them had, hadn't seen much 2006 WWE. I didn't realize how weird it was until the Boogeyman was on screen. The Boogeyman! The Vince backstage <laughs> segments. Kylie popped so hard for Boogeyman. Insane. Um... There it's was such a weird a lot, time. There was yeah. a lot that really took her back. Shelton Benjamin's mama took her back. Shelton <laughs> Benjamin's mama. Mama Benjamin. Um, wow. Joey Mercury coming out with the tag belts in his pants was the most 2006 WWE thing ever, which Eminem were the best, just putting that out there. Um, The Spirit Squad. They were, the like, they were like, is that Nick Nemeth? And I'm like, yes. This is an underrated period in WWE. I'm gonna um, start, I'm gonna write something about this. And then what uh, a missed opportunity Ken Doan could have been if he couldn't if he could have kept uh, the right the right people backstage from being angry at him. Uh Simon D was in this match. I love Mike Bucci. Uh Nova. Nova was the best man. I love Nova. Um, Eugene at the time. This this show was throwing everything against the wall, trying to see what would stick. Yeah, um, great though. Here, Just, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, here you go, Kylie. Your last four were Rob Van Dam, Triple H, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio. That's a good mix. A solid mix. Is, I do think that this was the period to put over other people like Chris Masters. Ron Van Dam got put up, finally got put over during this time, not too yeah. too long after that. Um is there any rumble or is there any rumble between 2006 and 2010 that y'all want to hit before I jump forward? I will talk up 2010 if uh I anything else. Go for um, it. My favorite I've I'll start, and then I'll let you go from there. I, th- I have a feeling we might say something similar. 2010 is one of my favorite Rumbles, and believe it or not, despite winning twice, it's my favorite Shawn Michaels performance. And 2010 is my favorite Shawn Michaels performance, even though I prefer 90s the 90s run of Shawn Michaels to his second run. I know I'm in the minority there. I love 90s Shawn Michaels. Um, I think it's great because it told the story of 
he's so desperate to get out from the JBL stuff, from everything, and get back to The Undertaker that he has to win. So he starts off, and then he just can't hold on. He's about to win, and he can't hold on. Like, he loses his grip, and he falls. And I thought the bump made it look like he legitimately fell, even though, obviously, the plan was always for Edge to win. Um, The plan was always for Edge to win, but Sean made it look real in the sense of his elimination and the way he sold it afterwards of he just lost everything. I thought was probably the best Rumble performance in terms of making the Rumble mean something important. Yeah, there was there was there was there was a lot of great character work top to bottom in that Rumble. That was also the one that featured CM Punk coming out at number three and eliminating people and was eliminating that the people. Year he was doing the straight edge promos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things in Rumbles too. When he just starts I'm, cutting the promos on everybody. That was, um, I want to say, I want to say ten. That was the one where he had the new Nexus with him at that point, if memory serves. It's twenty eleven. Was that eleven? Okay, there must, then I'm thinking of a different one. Doing, uh, he was still doing, inside. yeah, but still, he was. That was him eliminating somebody. Get on the mic, uh, cut a promo. Somebody else would come out. He'd eliminate them. Get back on the mic, and you know, that was tremendous. And then Triple H came out and ruined everybody's fun. Uh, but uh, you know that was awesome. tremendous. Isn't What's this that? the one with Beth Phoenix? Yes. yes. She come in? When her. she eliminated Kali. Yes. Oh, the great Kali. What a throwback. Oh man. Um, and and then of course you had the character work of Shawn Michaels, who is so desperate to get one last shot at the Undertaker because he believes that he can win. And he recognizes that now the only way he can get back to the Undertaker at WrestleMania is by winning the Royal Rumble. And uh, it's it's character-wise one of the best eliminations I've ever seen. I agree. Literally, I literally clawing at the ropes as he falls off the apron is, and everybody has been some in something similar to that in their life where you can just see it slipping away from you. I thought it was very relatable. Um, the Edge return is a lot of fun. I thought they did a great job keeping that surprise on the wraps. I thought they did a great job having him eliminate Jericho first as to not telegraph the obvious in there. Because usually they wait for whoever they're coming back against for them to be the last two, and it's obvious who's going to get the elimination. But because he eliminated Jericho before Cena, and I think before Batista, Mm-hmm. You didn't really know if Edge was going to win or not. And I thought that was great, the way they laid it out. Jericho is one of those guys, and 2010 was one of those years where there were probably three or four years where Jericho seemed to be like the de facto favorite to win the Rumble. Yeah. And he never did. And he never did. 2012, 2003 kind of seemed that way, but I'm glad they went the direction with Sean. And I'm glad they had him eliminate Sean the way he did in 03. I thought that was perfect. Um, and I feel reason and I feel reasonably secure saying he's not gonna win this year. I, I feel like that's a pretty safe call. Oh, well now he is because you just manifested it. You spoke it into existence. You know what? You know what if he does good for him. <laughs> if it happens and I hear it break down the walls, I'm getting on Twitter and I'm roasting you. I'll blame um, it on you. 
Oh, I'll probably one, deserve it. I'll 100% deserve it. The rumble goes to a law for a few years for me. Um, the oh, next yeah. one I really want to hit is uh, 2016. I think that's an important rumble. Oh, yeah. With uh, I think it has the greatest debut in rumble history. Even though the camera work kind of messed it up. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> oh, you know not to get me started on Kevin Dunn. Uh, you, Jameis, you just need to have a show where you just rant about everything because you can go. <laughs> People don't have the patience. Um, this was also Rumble notable for being. Had, this uh, was also uh, the last one that number thirty won. Yeah, Triple H oh, won at it? number thirty. I would have loved to have seen them pivot to um, Dean Ambrose, although it feels very peculiar calling him that. Yeah. Just because I've gotten so used to Moxley again, um, that was a that was that that rumble was important because of AJ Styles, and you can't not mention that Royal Rumble. Um, was the last that was the start of the last little Triple H run or real run anyway? He kind of had that run with Seth, but he hasn't really had a real run since. Um, we should probably mention 2014 before we go further. Just for the obvious, how important it is for somebody not to enter the Rumble. Yeah, that being the uh, that being the Daniel Bryan year, where the entirety of the internet had managed to work themselves into a shoot, thinking that he was going to be in the Rumble. At no point, far be it for me to defend WWE and a lot of this stuff. I. Have criticized a lot of their decisions, but at no point did they say he was going to be in the Rumble. Did they imply he was going to be in the Rumble? And, and people were right because it's the kind of thing that story-wise would have made sense. But so that's what makes me worried for this year, Kyle. <laughs> it also made it also made them boo the crap out of Rey Mysterio. I also think because when Ray came out at number 30, the crowd was so angry that he was not Daniel Bryan that they booed the ultimate babyface Ray Mysterio. Also, Roman Reigns, he had like a great showing. He eliminated a lot of people and no one cared because they're like, you know, we're waiting for Daniel Bryan. We're waiting for Daniel Bryan. Yep. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, so Roman eliminated like the entire <laughs> like the entire talent pool. And that's no the year they had... Big Show and Kane run through everybody, which was also no. That was the next year. No, that was I believe that was fifteen. Sounds right. Yeah, that was the next um, year because Batista won in twenty fourteen. Yep. Um We probably should get to preview the show soon, <laughs> but there's two more rumbles I want to hit. I wanted to hit the twenty nineteen Women's Rumble and Phoenix, yep. which. 2019 in Phoenix, 2021 in St. Louis. Eventually, we got to get me a Paul Goldschmidt Rumble entry. You no, keep trying to manifest that. Good luck with that. Too much for to ask for really random athlete crossovers. That might be a bridge too far, man. I don't know. Um. So, 2019 women's Becky Lynch. Great story in the sense of, first off, that Asuka match was fantastic. I thought her tapping out did Asuka so many favors, although WWE did 
zero job following up on that. Um, Becky Lynch's entrance with Fit Finley is one of the loudest rumble pops ever, and I think it is really a credit. I think she's by far the biggest female star they've ever had. I don't think it's close in terms of popularity. She's the only female to ever top merchandise sales. She was the only female to be the undisputed top star at any point in the company's history. Um, she's starting to cross. She At the time, she had just been starting to cross over into that mainstream appeal. And I think solidifying Becky Lynch as the first woman to main event WrestleMania and win was the best decision they've made Rumble-wise and maybe ever, at least the last 20 years. Um, but her, her entrance was really well done. And, um, this is going to surprise Kylie a little bit. I give a lot of credit to Charlotte and the, and and the way she built the drama in that specific match. Jameis giving praise to Charlotte? It happens. It's now lost. I'm but so surprised. Th- it's kind of weird because that's also one of the matches where I look at Charlotte and I go, I can't stand Charlotte because that's the match where she takes a glam slam and within literally three seconds is back on her feet, which is part yeah. of the biggest issue with Charlotte Flair is she doesn't sell for anybody who's not a horseman, horsewoman or Asuka. But in that, at the end of that match, she did an excellent job building up that drama. And I think she deserves her credit for that match. But I think Becky Lynch is the best decision they've made in a long time. I'll agree with that. One of the women's rumbles, you know? Um, And then the other one I wanted to... uh, Wait, do y'all have anything on that rumble? Or no? I think you covered everything I was going to say about Becky and Charlotte. I also think... Is it, that's the one with the Mandy, Naomi, like Mandy eliminates Naomi after she's yes. already been eliminated, like weird thing. That's why Naomi should win this year. That's my rationale. <laughs> well, we'll get to predictions soon. I'm very interested in hearing <laughs> the Naomi decision. Um, the last rumble I wanted to cover before we go right into the predictions and previews of this show, which I don't think should take more than 30 minutes. Um, the 2020 Royal Rumble match. For me, and this may be recency bias, I think it's the best story ever told within a Rumble. The men? The men. I think the Lesnar building the drama, running through everybody, he he still put people over like Keith Lee and his facial expressions, shows how good Brock Lesnar really is. But if if Drew McIntyre wasn't over before, he was over once he claymored Lesnar out of that ring, and he stared him down. That's the thing that really did it for me. Drew Drew McIntyre spent two minutes staring him down after throwing out Ricochet, and Lesnar looked like he had just pissed his pants. And those two, and those two combined with Heyman's expressions, did more to put over Drew McIntyre than anything they had done before or since. It was, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, if I'm nitpicking, I feel like the story didn't need to go on as long as it did. I agree. With Lesnar in that rumble. I feel like you could have accomplished that 
three or four got uh, three or four guys less. Um, yeah, it would have felt a lot better if any of the guys that he interacted with were able to do anything else with him after the fact. Tell me, you wouldn't have popped for Keith Lee versus Brock Lesnar on a random Raw? I agree. Like, hundred percent. Oh my god. <laughs> I would but, pop in that match at any time. My it could have been like in my backyard. And I would have been like, yes. My issue with that Lesnar run is that he ran through both Kofi and Johnny Nitro. And that was John, excuse me, John Morrison. I'm just going to call him John Hinnigan because I can't keep track of his names. That was John, Hinnigan's Johnny run. Mundo. That Johnny Impact. Johnny, uh, a lot of things. Um, that was his first match back from return, and I was really hoping because he kind of did that Kofi thing before Kofi and the crazy elimination saves. I was hoping there'd be a spot where they kind of went back and forth on that, but we never got that. Um, that was my biggest issue with that. I remember being very disappointed. But uh, let's also give some flowers to Edge's return that night, sir. And I, I still go back, and it's still one of my favorite Rumble moments ever, if for no other reason than going back and watching that highlight and seeing the expression on his face when favorite. he comes through the smoke and the pyro, and he is almost on the verge of tears. Because if you've been a performer at all, you go away, you're not sure if they're going to remember you when you if you come back. And to get that validation that they never forgot, they still remembered him, they still loved him, hit him like a ton of bricks in that moment, and you can see it. And that's an amazing humanizing thing for me. And, he and, then, and, and then he quickly shifts into character mode, and then, you know, and then away we go. But like, I loved that little moment of humanity. Yeah, I think that's one of the easy top five Rumble moment. Probably my personal favorite. Um. I remember being very excited because Edge is in my top five favorite of all time. When I said I love Edge, this is one of seven Edge shirts I own. I have an Edge shirt for every day of the week. <laughs> so, um, he was one of my favorites as a kid. He's one of the reasons I fell in love with pro wrestling. He's one of my favorite guys to study. He's one of my favorites. So, I had, uh, before the pandemic, yeah, I had tickets to that WrestleMania. And I was so excited that I was finally going to get to see Edge for the first time. It was going to be his first one-on-one -on -one match back. Of course, it ended, I did get to see him eventually this past year at Mania, which was really freaking cool. Um, but I remember that was probably the most I've popped in years, at least as a fan watching from home, not as a fan in attendance, but as a fan watching from home. That was my biggest pop in a long time. I kind of had a few suspicions after he hit Elias with that spear. Um, because obviously he was on no contact list for eight years and then suddenly he wasn't. So, but. Oh, 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 and then Kevin Dunn misses his first spear coming out of the tunnel after he gets into yep. the ring. Because Don't Kevin get him Dunn's started, Kyle. <laughs> Don't. All right, all right. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. It was right there. This um, is a Kevin Dunn hate space. That's what this is. It's not a safe space. He's not welcome here. Well, not a safe space for him, at least. It's a safe space for hating him. Uh, for haters. Um, Kevin Dunn hater safe space. Um, but, yeah. Um, 
Should we? Should we move on to? I was going to move on. The first thing, since we're already on the edge topic, uh, what are your thoughts on the storyline with the Grit couple and the It couple? Um, I think it's weird. Uh, I wish it was two different feuds. Like I wish Edge versus Miz is going to be good because it's them, and Beth Phoenix versus Maurice is going to be good because it's them. And I think Maurice is really underrated. As a couples tag, I'm not a fan of couple tag teams and couple storylines. I don't. I think it's weird, and I just don't want that yeah. in my wrestling. Uh, the match is going to be good, obviously, because of who's in it. I don't see it going bad in any way. They're all solid. Yeah, I just the story is just not for me, is what I guess I'm trying to say. And I, I think Ed and Phoenix are going to win. Um, I feel a lot of it's been cliche. I, a lot of it's not done much for me. But I am excited to see Beth Phoenix back in the ring. Yes. I hope her. this leads to a mini run where, because I would love to see her versus Becky Lynch for the title at some point. I think that would be a fun dream match. I don't want that for Mania, but I think that's Bianca. something fun in the summer. Beth oh, and Bianca. We'll get to that guy. <laughs> um, I want to see uh, Sasha Banks bend for Beth Ooh. Phoenix. Because if you Ooh. remember, my, one of my favorite hard to watch. matches was One Night Stand 2008. I quit with Molina. Mm-hmm. And she she gets Molina into this hole and just bends her like a pretzel. And I don't use that phrase yeah. much because I hate that phrase. But she legit contorted her like a pretzel. And Beth I think Sasha Banks great. can do something similar. But it makes Beth look larger than life. She's the best. Yeah. And she's going to she's going to show up for this match. She's going to be good. I'm excited, I guess. I, um, yeah. I <laughs> grit grit couple is kind of cringy for me. I'm not a big fan of the branding there, but I love otherwise Rome, I don't like the name. All four of them are fantastic at what they do. You know, it's going to be real hard for this to not be sir very good to great. Um yeah, uh, it, it seems pretty obvious to me that Edge and Beth are going are going to get the win. Mm-hmm. That's the obvious end of the story, and you know, then everybody can move on from there. But where do we think Edge goes from here? Uh, um, AJ for me, but that seems he, like it. Can I just say though, what is happening with AJ Styles? I've talked about this on other shows. What is what are they doing? <laughs> what is he doing? They're not wasting the last two years of his career. <laughs> They kind of hit on the they they turned Omos. They did they did that program for two weeks before scrapping it and haven't brought it up since. So right yeah. now he's kind of in this transitionary phase where he's not doing anything. He had a match with Austin Theory the other week that was solid, yeah. um, but other than that, he's not really done anything. It makes no sense in the context of the story. But I think <laughs> they're waiting for wherever he's going to go next. And he mentioned Edge on the bump. He called out Edge this week on the bump. Yeah. So I think, which, that's a dream match that needs to happen eventually. So I think it's, go ahead, get that out of the way. It gives AJ something to do for Mania without him having to be in the title picture. Um, You can say, you can easily set that up in a rumble. Yeah. Um, it seems like, it, it seems like the most obvious way to go. Um, 
AJ is hitting a point, or I'm sorry, we're talking about Edge, not AJ. They're both towards the getting towards the end of their careers, though, but um, mm -hmm. which is depressing to say, but it's true. Um, Edge is at a point now where you can just start just popping off dream matches. Just yeah. Start, just just start checking boxes for him as he wraps up his career, you know, and he'll he will f trust him and his dance partner to find something good to do with any of it and you know dude's a legend for a reason i agree um the next match is piper niven wait i got that wrong hold on dewdrop versus becky lynch uh this this match should take us two minutes to go through yeah uh, lynch, not, not for me uh, I think who's this for? I don't know because it's not me. It is not the female demo. Um, uh, Lynch over Strong. The end. <laughs> I I love Dewdrop. Piper Nivens love her. I don't think WWE loves her. To be completely fair, uh, Lynch over Strong. Quick. There's the just no way that Piper Nivens winning this match. Oh no. no way they can make me believe she's winning this match. And I don't like the heel versus heel dynamic. But I like that Becky Lynch is finally getting a new pay-per-view opponent because she's been running well, through the same matches forever. Well, so that's... I'll take anything at this point. It gives her something to do before you move on to whatever's next. Well, yeah, that that's going to be the thing. It's going to be very telling. Like WWE has given uh, Dewdrop this shot, and Royal Rumble historically has been where they kind of give people a try it and see main event level shot um that was where jeff hardy got his first uh one of his first big title matches with randy orton in 08 yeah Bob uh, that was where they put holly there. in 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 that year you know this feels like that could be a very prove it kind of scenario for dewdrop who is crazy talented you know yeah, it, it, and this yeah. is going to go a long way towards determining where they really see her this could very much be a coming out party for her if they choose to let it be I feel like the Rumble, because other than weird years, like that weird year that Kurt Angle may have ended with Mark Henry, as fun oh, as that yeah. match was, that had no business being the main event. I don't think they trusted Rey Mysterio enough yet to carry the main event. So I guess that's why, because he didn't even get the main event of Mania. He barely, he only got the main event of SmackDown pay-per-views. Um, and he didn't have it that long. He had the belt for like one SmackDown pay-per-view before driving into Booker T. So it's not like they had him on this main event run, even as champion. But the Rumble usually is the main event. So you can try things out, see what, see if it sticks or not, without the pressure of the main event falling flat at yeah. that event. Yeah. Lynch, yeah. Lynch wins, but how she wins is going to go a long way towards determining what Dewdrop's future in the company really looks like. I agree. Um, next, um, we'll stick with the title matches. Uh, Seth, hold on. His freaking is now part of his kayfabe name. Not for me. <laughs> Seth freaking Rollins. Hey, he took out Ramus. He took out Ray Mysterio's eye, and now he's making roll my making me roll mine out of my head. Versus Roman Reigns. Thoughts? Uh, can I just say I have an elaborate booking theory here? Go ahead. Floor is yours. 
I think set I for the last like few weeks I've been Roman hardcore. Roman's gonna win. They're too high on Roman, blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing with Brock winning uh the other title and then being like in a feud, but on like different different brands technically. Yeah. Uh I think this is how we resolve it. Seth wins and he can go off and do whatever with anyone. I agree. And then we put Roman in the rumble. And we have Roman win the rumble. Brock beats Lashley. I don't think Brock is losing. Either way, even if I Roman don't think wins. Roman needs to be in the Rumble. I think the match is obviously already there. You could, um, you could probably yes. need something to say. But, like, but, here's, but here's the thing. Roman has a sort of complex past with the Rumble. It's true. I think he's never done it, you know, never gotten over as a baby face, probably ever, but especially in the Rumbles because of the situation he's been in. I think a heel Roman, who's a surprise Royal Rumble entrant, who wins the whole thing, eliminates all the baby faces, all the favorites, eliminates Johnny Knoxville, eliminates uh, Bad Bunny, whoever else they decide to put in there, the Forbidden Door person, whoever that might be, and he wins as a heel. I think He's that gives him his momentum back. Oh, my goodness. Matt Cardona's in there. I think it gives him his momentum back from losing to Seth because I think Seth has to win clean if Seth does just because people aren't going to buy it because yeah, Seth is kind of – he's just there right now for a lot of people. Uh, so I think that's how you give Roman his momentum back. And I think it gives him credibility against Brock, who I think is going to beat Bobby clean because it's Brock. We'll get to that. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this match? I have very similar thoughts to Kylie only inverted. I I think, I think what I think, I think what they do is Roman retains and then costs Brock. Oh, then, then, then angry Brock bulls his way into the Royal Rumble, takes out some cruiserweight or something, and you know takes his spot, Andrew wins Garza. the Rumble, and then, you, oh, and it's then you money in the bank all over again. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you go Brock Roman, as was the original plan yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, because originally I was like, oh, it's going to be title versus title at WrestleMania, Brock and Roman. How, that's so boring and like so expected. But the Royal Rumble, I think this is where they make it not boring, and it's got to be one of them. So I agree. I feel like uh, one or the other of us is going to. It's just going to be a question of. I think that's the way they go. I just don't yeah. know which way they're going to go about it. So should so I go ahead and a bunch all of three matches? Now. Yeah, they're all kind of linked for us at this point, I guess. So, so. for me. I have no idea who's going to win the Rumble. I get thinking about it now, I didn't even consider the possibility. Whoever doesn't retain makes sense. It's not yeah. what I do because I think there's an obvious route there and you can kind of push somebody else into the title picture on the other brand and still get that match. I think it's I think that would be lazy booking, but it's WWE. Lazy booking's kind of their MO. Um I think Seth wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually really enjoyed the feud. I've enjoyed the small intricacies of the feud. Like when Seth the knocked on the up. door on SmackDown yeah. to reveal he's the opponent, he did it in the Shield music beat. It's so okay. small things that, for me that have made me enjoy this feud. And I've been critical of this Roman story. I think it's the most overrated story in wrestling by a lot. The Tribal Chief? Yes. Um, because... The, the job of a great heel champion is to elevate any long-term champion should elevate somebody. And Cesaro went right back down on the where he was on the card. Now he's in a worse spot than before. K 
Kevin Owens right back down on the card. Edge but it, but is that because is that because of Roman or is that because WWE hot shotted them into I didn't the title say it was Roman's fault. Roman's doing great work. It's not on Roman, but the booking is what partly makes this story the most overrated story in the wrestling. Um, whoever beats Roman is either going to be like Seth Brock, somebody who doesn't need it. So Roman's going to run through the entire roster, make everybody lose their credibility. Just for nobody to be established by it. And I think for me, that ruins the story. I think my other issue with the story, and again, this isn't on Roman. Roman and Paul Heyman have both done an excellent job with what they've been given and telling and doing their roles to perfection. This is not on them. It's more of an indictment on creative. But it's my issue with the story and why I can't get invested in this story. They've done the same, no matter who their opponents are, it's the same feud for two years straight, regardless of opponent. They have the same backstage set drawn out segments every week. They have the same drawn out segments in the ring every week. They have the same 10 minute entrance every week. It's not good television because it's so repetitive. And for me, if every week I feel I'm watching the same thing I watched last week, why am I going to get invested in anything this guy does? Again, that's not on Roman, who's done a great job with what he's been given. But I don't think the story is nearly as good as credited. I think it's overhyped a little bit because if everything on the show from a story standpoint is trash, the thing that's the least trashy is going to look so much better than it would if everything else was good. I can tell by Kyle's face he disagrees hardcore. <laughs> How about no, it? No, I you it, there's there's some very certain validity there, and you can absolutely recognize that Roman is doing top notch work. I agree. I think while excellent work. While saying, I feel like the story is failing him and the his challengers. That's where I'm at. Um, do you feel like it would have you would have been more okay with the story if it had ended at around the one year mark or a little bit less? Now, now that we're stretching into about five hundred or whatever some odd days. I do, but I also don't think that's the main issue. I think it goes to overexposure because one thing AEW does great, and I try not to draw too many comparisons, is they're more of an eighties NWA, eighties WWF booking style, early nineties where. You don't see Darby Allen every week, but you see Darby Allen enough to know he's there, get invested in his, whatever he's doing, mm -hmm. and whatever. I don't need to see Darby Allen every week. I want to see um, Brian Danielson the next week or the Acclaim the next week. I don't see Adam Page every week. I didn't see Kenny Omega every week as champion. Sometimes he do. He do uh, a small backstage vignette that's under a minute just to keep him and Callis fresh in your mind until they're on TV the next week. And that's what made me stay invested in the belt collector storyline. Regardless of length, it didn't feel like it went on that long because it wasn't the same thing every week and they didn't have to run to that well so many times every week. Because they were over relying on one act. Yeah. So I mean, 500 days wouldn't be the issue if they spread it out. But they didn't spread it out. They have Roman gotcha. dominate 30, 40 minutes of TV a week. That's a quarter of your show, a quarter of your show every week 
plus pay-per-views, media, whatever, of course it's going to get tiresome a lot quicker than had they spread it out. And again, that's not a Roman. Okay. He's doing a great job with what he's given. That's fair. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, if it were me, I would have put the belt on Balor. I would have too. When that I happened, I feel like that was—I feel like that was, like that was your perfect. Scored. I think that was your perfect out, and you didn't take it. But everything, yeah. everything. Balor was another guy who dropped right back down the card. The issue is they. In did his case, so literally. Much, they did Opera so much jokes. for Roman to just put him over him. Balor, Roman never guys come up and and Balor didn't even address it like. What is the Finn Balor character if he doesn't care enough about the title to try and mm-hmm. go back for it? He was yeah. screwed out of the title. Why didn't he go back for it? It makes no sense. And for me, that's the end of every program. And for me, I want my television to make sense. And that's why this is the most overrated story WWE's done in the better part of 10 years, which is saying a lot. As good as Paul Heyman has been, as good as Roman Reigns has been, their performances alone are not enough to make something automatically this all-time great story. And that's not a discredit to Roman or Paul Heyman, who are both doing excellent work. It's just, this story's just not good for, to me anyway. It yeah. may be good to you guys and to each their own. Fair. But um, it's just not working for me. Fair. Um Getting back to Saturday, I would say I oh, like I'm, Roman. I, I didn't hit on Bobby Brock. Sorry. I, oh, I like, you didn't say I, Bobby Brock. You didn't say the men's rumble either. I like Roman, I like Roman to retain. I'm, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Of, I kind of hit on the lazy bookings WWE's MO, so it's going to be whoever doesn't keep their belt. Yeah. Um, I would like to, I would prefer to see somebody like somebody on the Raw side get elevated like Matt Riddle. Or Damian Priest, um, I think. Or Kevin, or Kevin Owens. In, but I, but you know how they get when it comes to let's book them strong until the Rumble, have them lose, and then have them drop off the face of the earth. So, um, I'm very excited for Lashley Lesnar. It's a match I've wanted for years. I think it's going to. It doesn't need to be more than ten minutes, and it needs to be a straight fight from bell to bell. I agree. Um, Nothing more, nothing less, and I think it could be excellent if it's that. Um, I think whoever, if Seth wins, Lashley's losing. If Roman wins, Lesnar's losing. And I could see the Lesnar losing by uh, Uso interference. Yeah, uh, okay. th- Yeah, this is kind of where I'm at as well. Um, I would say Roman wins. Because Seth, uh, as good as he is and as good as he's been, probably needs to be heated up a little bit more before he takes a top title again. Um, so I feel like I feel like Roman retains there. Um, that being said, I think the Usos, uh, the Usos are a good oper- are a good choice. Could be Roman himself. Hard to say there. I think so- I think somewhere in, somewhere in the bloodline. That costs Brock the match against Lashley, which you're right should be a short car crash style. Um, just, what Drew Goldberg was, or Lesnar yeah, Goldberg? Yeah, just me. just just throwing bombs for ten minutes, and I think the Bloodline cost Lesnar the title. 
Then Lesnar steamrolls his way into the Royal Rumble. I mean, you can pick and choose who you decide he wants to beat up and take their spot, but yeah, Jay is so proud. Well, they don't have announcers. Ooh, bits, that would be good. I like that. Be already in because there's not thirty yeah. people in yet. <clears throat> yeah, I just the men's Rumble. It's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be like you guys said, Brock or Roman. I. I, ideally, it would be Kevin Owens or maybe someone from NXT, and that's yeah. their call up because I think that's a good use of NXT talent in the Rumble. But I don't Who think from it's NXT going to happen. Would, uh, win for you, uh, Braun Breaker <laughs> or Champa, maybe if they were that high on Champa, which I don't know if they I are. I don't think they are. Uh, um, I don't. I don't think Roderick Strong. A lot of people have talked about Roderick Strong going to the main roster. He's, is he going to get a push? He's not, just because right. I don't think they're high on him. And I, I don't, don't think they're going to ignore the Undisputed Era. Uh, let's next. let's give the Rumble to NXT superstar Edris Anafe. That's my dude. I thought you were gonna say Carmelo Hayes, and I was like, yes, Carmelo Hayes all the time. <laughs> Carmelo Hayes is great. Santos Escobar is great. Yeah. Um, but I don't think th- I don't think either's uh, going to be, ever be main event talent on the main roster. Uh, well, okay. As good as both of them are, both okay, of them could do it. Women's Rumble, I think there's got to be a big NXT presence because Me too. there's not a lot of women on the main roster. I'm yep. hoping for a big NXT UK presence because the Rumble needs more Nita Samuels. The Rumble needs everything. <laughs> the Rumble <laughs> needs Raquel. The Rumble needs everyone. I'm a big yeah. Nita Samuels fan, so I hope she yeah. moves to at stateside NXT soon. But I mean, I do, um, I do kind of dig the idea of like uh, toxic attraction. All yeah. kind of doing their own thing, getting uh, a five ten minute Gigi shine Dolan period in there and, and taking uh, people out. Gigi Dolan's definitely in it. I, JC Jane is absolutely in it. I don't think Mandy's going to be in it. I don't like the idea of Mandy being in it because putting Mandy in it kind of just says, yeah, the NXT Women's Championship's not up to par. Well, plus you'd have well, to leave the pool and. <laughs> Uh, no, I, think at this po- I think at this point we can abandon the NXT is equal to the main roster sort of narrative because I if mean, they yes, but we're only two years removed from Charlotte choosing the NXT championship. So, yeah, but like we rebranded. And I think yeah. the folk, I think in terms of getting over developmental talent, I think having your champion on the main roster, eliminating people in the Royal Rumble, eliminating like main roster stars and legends like Lita and like Kelly yeah. Kelly. I think that's a good way. And Michelle McCool, is she in it? I Michelle think McCool is fantastic. I, is. I want yeah. another Michelle McCool one. I think she's the most underrated women's wrestler of all time. Oh, 100%. She's so good. And people don't give her any credit she's, because they see blonde and they see pretty. She was the best thing on SmackDown for a long time. She was the best thing in women's wrestling for a little bit there. She's so good. Um, and I, I know that she's going to be good in this match. And I Is love Mandy developmental, though? Huh? Is Mandy developmental, though? Uh, if she's an NXT, yeah. By definition, as yeah. an, NXT, an NXT person, yes. I don't think in, in practice, to... probably not, but in yeah. by definition, yes. I don't That's think she probably. went to NXT to get NXT over. If I'm being honest, I think Charlotte went to NXT to get NXT over. And that didn't work. Oh, of course not, because no one wanted her there. And there was no reason for her to be there. She doesn't even go here. Over. She. Yeah. she Oh, we don't want to go on this rant. You don't want to hear. No, talk let, about let's talk women's rumble again. Let's talk women's um, rumble. Uh, Ronda Rousey. Lita is my favorite woman of all time for women's yes. wrestling. 
probably only behind Becky Lynch, but Lita was my favorite for the first 15 years of my life. So I don't know if I put our first 15 years as a fan. So I don't know if I'm putting Becky Lynch over as recency bias as somebody I've loved for the last five years. Yeah. But Lita was my first favorite women's wrestler, and she's been my favorite for most of my life. So I'm a huge Lita fan. I'm hoping that she gets another run. I would love to be fun. I would love uh, this rumble to set up her and Sasha Banks. Yes. I would love for this. I would love to see another one where she works Becky Lynch. She works Bianca. She works um, a Naomi match would be fun. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan yeah, would be a fun 100%. match. Cassie Blackheart would be a fun match for Lita. Um, yeah. I have two wild card winners for this. Okay. What do you got? Asuka. Yes. <laughs> Bailey. Bailey. Okay, I gotta marinate on it for a second. <laughs> Bailey versus Becky Lynch is the only horsewoman feud that hasn't happened yet. Yes, but also Becky Lynch has two unresolved stories in Bianca and in Ronda Rousey, ding, and I ding. think before I think we got we got to get there. I think people would turn on Bailey and and Becky so fast because they're expecting Ronda and Bianca, especially I don't know if Ronda's going to be in the Rumble. I don't. The report I saw was that they're trying hard to get her, not that they got her. Yeah. And you can. They're going to try hard to get Ronda Rousey every year. Just. But, but but also a lot of times the reports say that just because they aren't sure if they've officially signed. Yeah. And I don't know if Ronda's contract expired. It her did. original contract. Her okay. original contract was. Uh, I th- want to say two years, uh, three years. Yeah. So she came in in 2018. It expired around the time yeah. of Mania last year. I think she'll be back. If not at the Rumble, then before Mania for sure. I'm not I convinced she'd be. She'll be back, but I could see it going either way. I, I think with her new baby and then throwing a lot of money at her and her and her husband not working, I think that she'll be back. Yeah, um, but Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown don't really need the body. Yes, but also they. She's do. got expendable money. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, I if Ronda's in it, then I think Ronda wins. I do too. Um, uh, if if Ronda isn't in it, I could see. I would like to see Lita, like you said. Maybe Naomi. I think that's a story that's kind of been set up. A big Naomi push, of course. Liv Morgan. I always want to see Liv Morgan win everything. My only issue with the women's Rumble one is there's no story really going into it that no, intrigues me. There's not. And um, then two I don't is find that, the Charlotte thing interesting. Oh, no. And then also Becky and Bianca should have been a shoo-in for WrestleMania after SummerSlam and the disaster that was SummerSlam that should have been the shoe-in and Bianca's cooled off and she's gotten no momentum. And if she doesn't win the Rumble, then she's not going to get that match at WrestleMania I because there's no way. And um, I just... Okay, here's my major gripe. Does the Rumble winner eliminate Charlotte to set up that match and then Bianca win a chamber or something to... I, I don't think that works as well as Bianca winning the Rumble. Tournament. I don't either, but I can but see but here, Here's it. my major gripe with it, with WWE right now. And I said this on Twitter, and a, a lot of people wear my DMs. Oh, there's a cat. A lot of you people wear my DMs very her. mad. So you, Should I go find my cat? I'll do my rant if you want to. WWE, the last like 10 years, people have been like, why can't WWE make stars? Why can't they make stars? They make a star in Bianca Belair. And they could push her to the moon and she could be a mainstream potential talent like a Sasha Banks. 
and they didn't. And now we're talking about sacrificing a homegrown star for Ronda yeah. Rousey, who's an outsider star. She and wasn't me, even that big of a star by the time she got there. Um, in terms of she, she was getting, once the whole Holly Holm debacle happened, mixed with the Sandy Hook stuff, people really didn't like her anymore. But here's, so. the, here's the thing about Ronda Rousey in UFC. I'll go on a small UFC rant because I, yeah. I know this is wrestling and not UFC. When they were building up Ronda Rousey's return and they were like, she had this devastating defeat. She lost so quick where she's going to have this return. They, they UFC was pumping it hardcore and she disappointed. People wanted to see Ronda Rousey fail. People wanted to see Ronda Rousey fail because she, the UFC women's division, especially the bantamweights had outgrown her. So going going into WWE, people wanted to boo her. And they ended up booing her. She had a quick little baby face. People were excited, and they ended up booing her. So if you do Ronda versus Becky at WrestleMania, Ronda cannot be the baby face. I she agree. Can't. And people want she, to boo her. People don't even boo Becky now, even though she's a heel. There are yes, two it makes no stars. sense. There are if you two Bianca, stars in the, yeah. the WWE Women's Division. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. And the reason for that is the reason they don't have any men stars, because they cool off somebody to – Continue to build an already established megastar that didn't need it. What do you think, Kyle? Women's Rumble. There are, to me, there are two matches that make sense for Becky Lynch for uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. One is Bianca. Obviously, obviously, obviously. The other would be a returning Ronda Rousey. Those are the two, those are the two biggest possible Mania matches I, I, I like Liv. I like Liv's push, but I don't know that that says Mania match to me. Not after she lost four times in a row. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, think, that, I think they could have pushed her there, for sure. Oh, I think 100%. the issue with Liv Morgan is the same issue Becky had before people said, all right, we can't hold her back anymore. Was in the original brands, or the orig- when the brand fl- split first started, and they kind of pushed Becky to the women's title. And then she lost it to Alexa Bliss and had the whole Mickey James stuff. After that, she went about two years where she lost to the same fluke roll-up every single week. And when, and when the character is made to constantly lose the same what stupid way through her own mistake every week, at some point that character is going to lose steam because... Why is this character so stupid? Okay, let me and ask you this. Becky Balboa did never lost steam just because it's Becky Balboa or whatever. She was doing the Becky Balboa thing at the time yeah. before the man. But other characters aren't going to have that same. Okay, let me ask you this about the Women's Rumble. So I think we're all in agreement that the stories for Becky are Bianca or Ronda. What if Ronda or Bianca wins, but we end up with a triple threat. Would you be satisfied with Ronda, Becky, Bianca? No. And here's why. Because there was so much money in the Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey match that you need to, and then uh, that they didn't, they missed the boat big time last time. They forced it to be a triple threat. And I think the issue is Ronda's obvious gripe is you couldn't beat me one-on-one, and even when it was a triple threat, you couldn't keep my shoulders to the mat. 
I don't know if that was planned. I don't know if that was Ronda going rogue, or I don't know if it was Rousey just not just being green and not keeping her shoulders down, and it was a bad camera angle. I don't know what the finish was, but whatever that finish was meant to be didn't happen, but it gives you the opportunity to revisit with a thread open for the one-on-one match, and you can get the story right this time. And while I love Bianca, and I would love to see her versus Rousey eventually, I think you could build that up to SummerSlam if Rousey wins as a heel with the face Bianca being the one to give her her comeuppance. Or you can do Bianca Becky again and have Bianca win. I think either of those work. But I do not think a, a triple threat would be suitable for either. Especially since it would be obvious if it's a triple threat that the ending is Bianca beating Rousey. So that Becky can say you didn't beat me. Just like they do with everything else. And I don't think, I think eventually the story with Bianca if you go the Becky route again, you have to have Becky losing clean because otherwise every point Becky made about Bianca ends up being true in, in the KFIP sense. And you can, there's only so much you can draw out before it loses all steam and all credibility. And I think it would be bad for all three involved uh, character-wise to do another triple threat. And I think when you have such a money match staring you in the face, you don't get many opportunities to do a do-over. So if you get the opportunity to do a do-over between Becky and Rousey, you have to take it. But that's just me. I think they're two separate stories that deserve two separate resolutions, personally. I, agree. I think um, uh, Becky deserves that, that win over Rousey, or Bianca deserves that win over Becky. You know, uh, and I think both of those are would be well served to be uh, allowed to breathe on their own. Um, so to me, getting back to the rumble itself, uh, if it's not Bianca, if it's not Rousey in the win, then you have to start thinking about who should face Charlotte. And Asuka is a definite possibility, although that well has all but dried up. Yep. Um, I think Naomi is a fantastic candidate for that and uh, is long overdue for a push. I think there's a high chance that they may actually, and as much as I love her, I'm not sure I'm fond of this. I think Lita may win and face Charlotte, which I'm cool with. Um, they have they have had that tease on SmackDown, and they are definitely not above a nostalgia victory. I'd love a nostalgia Lita run. I just don't want her with the title. But... That twist of fate was the worst twist of fate I've ever seen, and it's all on who was taking it. You, you try selling that in in four inch heels. Maybe she shouldn't wear heels if she's gonna bump. <laughs> the sell was bad too, but that's a different story. But um, don't wear heels if you know you're gonna bump. It's it's not rocket science. Like that's dangerous to herself to wear heels right before she goes out there and bumps on her face. All right. Um... We are we are getting up there on time, so uh, I'd have say we hit everything. I think we've hit everything. Gundy, Gundy, uh, so who's your pick then? Bottom line, who's your pick? Um, I'll I'll start off I'll, and I'll say Naomi. Oscar. Um, before we go, who who do you think is the reported? We don't know if it's actually going to come to fruition. Who do you think is the reported uh, forbidden door men's? Men's. 
Uh, it's probably going to be as much as I would like it to be impact talent. It's probably going to be a free agent. Uh, maybe you said Matt Cardona and I'm kind of sold on Matt Cardona, but I also, baby. Yeah. I also, I think if it's impact, Josh Alexander would be fun. Moose would be fun. Uh, to be honest, it'll probably end up being a legend. Uh, I don't know if there's any young talent that WWE would want to put in that spot. Because legends, you can kind of be easy. Yeah, and you WWE would totally devil's advocate it with nobody knows who Moose is, you know. Yeah. Which may or may not be true, but that's their mindset. Usually. Yeah. Uh, if it's if it's me, I'm gonna say um, if it's I, I would not be averse to it being Cody. I think that would be hilarious. Just watch you the internet melt. That the internet would melt down in real time, and it would be hilarious. You know what I want? I want it Stardust to come out. Nobody mentioned <laughs> that it's Cody Rhodes. Um, and then on Wednesday, he's back on AEW. <laughs> never shows up in WWE again, and nobody mentioned Stardust cameo. I lose but, my mind. But I would talk about on every podcast forever. <laughs> if it's an if it's an Impact guy. Um, Kylie's going to hate me for this, but it's going to be somebody like a Rhino. Somebody who's got a long WWE history, can get in and out, and won't really make a lot of waves, can be eliminated, and won't get anybody upset. But it's not as big of a surprise. You know what would garner heat? Oh, no. Bully Ray. Stop! If it's Bully Ray, I'm turning it off. Bully Ray is canceled. (laughs) Now I'm angry. If it's Bully Ray, I'm telling you guys right now. In my, with me in my eyes. If it is Bully right, I will boycott WWE. So you're saying... I want to point out for the record, I did not say that. That's all That's all this guy. Jameis, if, if it happened, you did it, and I will block you on everything. All social media. Wow, that's a lot of work, because I'm on quite a bit of your social media. Yes, all my social media. We won't hang out for your birthday. We'll just... <laughs> you're just done. <laughs> I'll blame it on you forever. Wow, I've got heat. Major heat. <laughs> Shout out to Toriano fan account. Oh my god, I love Toriano fan account. Heat. Love it. Should we wrap up though? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, do y'all have any closing statements? Uh, anybody but Bully Ray. You got heat <laughs> with her. Kyle, anything you want to add, man? Carla, are you muted? You're muted, man. There you go. Sorry about that. My, my no worries. Died, so I had uh, probably karmic payback from me predicting Rhino. <laughs> That's God looking at you <laughs> saying no. my bully right <laughs> prediction. He said no. Um, last, last statement. Um, let's get that Naomi push rolling. Long overdue. Let's make it happen. Um, do y'all want to promote your social media, any upcoming projects before we go off there? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Fuller underscore Kylie. Um, tomorrow I make my fightful debut. Demo Divas. Congratulations. Talking all- Thank you. Demo Divas, me, J. Shell and Haley talking all things women's wrestling from promotions. We're going to be grading promotions. We're talking women's wrestling news, all the women's wrestling things. Uh, we also have ADHD Divas on Sunday, which is on the Body Slam channel. Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Fantastic um, show. Check out everything it, on our YouTube. 
course. It's so good. We talk wrestling. We talk news. We talk about a lot of different things on that show. They do a, a lot of stuff. And then I'm, I also do body slam interviews. I do a lot of stuff on body slam. <laughs> <laughs> we love having you. I love being here. You guys are the best. Oh. Kyle, is there any project you want to promote? I don't have near as much that I'm plugging right now. This is my debut on the Body Slam uh, channel. so Oh, yeah. You did fantastic, man. <laughs> don't have as much going on. Uh, I do write uh, predominantly news updates. Uh, if I get a bug up and uh, decide to do some research, I've got some things bouncing around in my head for some features that I might play with on Body Slam. Uh, I do have a, a slate of features over at Wrestle In at another website. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle K Sparks. There's that K in the middle. Sometimes you can make sure you get that. Otherwise, I don't know who on earth you're going to find. Um, <laughs> give me a follow and uh, yeah, be be prepared for me to talk a lot about wrestling and a uh, fairly decent amount about the Green Bay Packers. Man, Devonta Adams is a beast. He's a monster. I'm anyway, um, Kyle does a fantastic job at making this editor's life very, very easy. We appreciate that. Kylie, too, although I don't think she's written anything since right before, right around Christmas. Okay, listen, I had COVID, <laughs> and then you're I was in New Jersey. You do so much audio content that you don't really need to rely on the news. Jameis has woken uh, up and chosen violence with Kylie today. I don't know about Yeah, that. what is up with this? <laughs> what is going on? He's going for the heat. So, uh, lastly, I have quite a few projects coming up. Um, my first two episodes of a brand new Body Slam series hosted by yours truly with um, on New Japan Strong. I go in detail on different things such as the uh, uh, what it's like being in the LA Dojo uh, with guys like Carl Fredericks uh, in the first episode. And the second episode, it's with the Dirty Daddy, gatekeeper of Beyond Wrestling, GCW legend, and New Japan Strong superstar, Chris Dickinson. Uh, we discussed quite a few things. Yes, sir. We discussed quite a few things, but we go in heavy detail on his Japanese influences, which there's a lot of very interesting stuff in both interviews. Um, I'm The Carl Fredericks interview will be up in the coming days. I just have to annotate certain things before I publish it. And I'm in the process of editing the Dickinson interview now. So a lot of exciting things for me. I will hopefully have more New Japan Strong interviews soon after. But those two are already recorded and ready to go. And those will be up soon. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at the Jameis. I talk a lot about wrestling a lot about music a lot about baseball i talk about whatever pops into my head so good luck um <laughs> i have a lot of weird thoughts <laughs> but um i am the Jameis editor at body Stamp. i was joined today by Ky kylie fuller one of our best contributors and another one of our best contributors kyle sparks you can follow both on twitter Give them both a follow. They're both excellent for any wrestling fan. Follow me, too. I know I'm not as cool, but be courteous to give me a follow. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this has been your Royal Rumble preview. Uh, thank you for joining us for the last almost two hours. We went a little north of where we wanted to go. 
just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, it's like that scene in Cobra, you know, where, uh, do, you, do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but just a little one. A little bit. <laughs> I'm a big Stallone fan. Sorry, you get a lot of that on Twitter, too, uh, From if you follow me. Uh, we are some of the top uh, Body Slam. Be sure to give Body Slam a follow. Uh, check out our Body Slam merchandise at PWTs. Um, our podcasts are available wherever you get your pod- podcasts. Apple Streaming, Spotify. I use Spotify because I'm basic and they have a really good student discount for premium. <laughs> but other than that, thank you. YouTube channel. Subscribe, to you- subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's get up Absolutely. over the let's, let's get this thing growing. Subscribe to our Twitch as well. Um, hopefully we have more content coming to Twitch. That's what all the youths um, are doing. Thank you for joining us. Over and out.